0: Good evening, thank you so much for being here tonight, and I am still rejoicing in this morning. There's nothing better than capping the service off of the baptism, and it was so special. Thank you for your courage this morning to David to do that. I was so thrilled when David came to my office, told me he got saved. My heart just jumped out of my chest. I was so excited. And then to see his boldness, to be willing to get baptized, that was wonderful. Congratulations. And then, followed up with a special tonight, wow, you had a big day today. You're gonna crash hard tonight, aren't you? (laughs) Thank you for David, for David for all that. In your Bibles, turn to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, if you would, tonight. Church needs to be a family. Like what I felt when David got baptized. It needs to we need to have a family like that, and numbers of folks coming to this morning, just rejoicing with us over David's baptism and just the, the fun of being part of a church family that's the way it ought to be flipping gears we're going to get into a message of the end times (laughs) i want you in second timothy chapter three to read with me verse number one i want us to read it together second timothy three one this know also that in the last days Perilous times shall come. Now drop down to verses twelve through seventeen and let's read those together. Ready? Verse twelve. Yea, and all that will live god in God. I'm sorry, start over, I gotta read it right. Try it again. Ready? Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. I want you to notice, first of all, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And then he goes through a number of verses describing those perilous times until we get to verse number 12. He reminds us that, all the will of Godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer. But I want to direct your attention to verse 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. We're not like society tries to convince us, getting better and better. Life is not getting a whole lot better better out there. And we're told in the end times to expect evil men and seducers getting worse and worse. If, like I think we are, we are in the last of the last days, we're seeing some of the most despicable things going on in our government, world affairs, the... The hyper push for a one world government once again. It shouldn't surprise us, but there have been many times in history where these verses could have very aptly been described. Don't you suppose those Jews under the pressure of the Holocaust were thinking they were living in the last of the last days, surely? The times times in, in world events where it has gotten so bad. A world coming to a war in World War I. Followed by World War II. And then subsequent wars. So, I'm not going to suggest to you that I know for sure that the Lord is going to return in our lifetime. I don't know that but it sure does look like it. And Whether he is coming this evening or hundreds of years from now, our response, I believe, from Paul is to be the same. We are to act as if he's coming immediately. We are to live our lives as if what we see out there is not a surprise because we're told it's coming. So tonight, I want to bring a message entitled, When the World Gets Even Worse. Let's ask God for His direction. Thank you, dear Lord, for your love. Thank you for the great service, the great crowd we had this morning, the guests we had, the wonderful baptism. I thank you, Lord, for the fact that we can call upon you and ask you to meet with us. And so once again, we're doing that, Lord. Spirit of God, meet with us, work in our hearts, direct us. And help us to live our lives in these last days to your honor and glory for we love you in jesus name amen what do you do when you see things obviously getting worse and worse like some do you just get discouraged and quit (laughs) that's the way it's going to be i'm just going to quit or i'm going to amp up how many medications i take (laughs) you run and hide Or do you keep doing what you've been taught to do in the Lord? You just keep doing those things. You just keep doing those things. You just keep doing those things and continue on. I think the first thing we need to do is to develop real end times expectations from Scripture. What does the Scripture say to expect? Well, we read it. Verse 12, Yea, and all that will of godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution there have been times where i have wondered am i not living godly enough man my life's going pretty pretty smoothly nobody's beating on my door threatening to arrest me they're not throwing eggs at my car now i'm not giving any ideas but i'm living a pretty cinderella life But I do believe the principle is true and I do believe that it will not be long before Christians that believe what you and I believe in our country are going to be persecuted. And we read of opportunity, or events happening even today where across our country Christians are being literally persecuted. We went through a 10 week time period where Hope Baptist Church had to be shut down could not have services. Now, I know that's nothing compared to what the apostles doered, because we had live stream, we could watch at home. You could watch in your pajamas at home. That hardly feels like persecution. But I wonder what was underlying that decision. Why was it that only certain institutions had to shut down? I wonder. Expect it. In Matthew 5, 10, and 11... It says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Not only should we expect it, but we should learn to see the blessing in it. Which one of us are mature enough to see the blessing of spanking? When we're being spanked. When God is spanking us, how many times do we say, "Oh God, thank you for that. I really needed that. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you." No, as a child, I didn't stop my dad and say, "Dad, dad, I just want you to know how much I appreciate the spanking. Thank you." Now go ahead and continue. I never did that. But we should learn to see the blessing of persecution. Because the God, the Lord says there's a blessing there. Blessed are ye. And then he goes on, and these men that are writing here are at a completely different level here. Because it says in 1 Peter 4:12: Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice. Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding glory or joy. When the persecution comes, Peter said, rejoice! So we need to develop real end times expectations, but those expectations must be rooted in Scripture. We see persecution, I mentioned it, but evil growing worse and worse, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, evil men sinking to new lows. You see, decline is the natural path for evil men. Theirs is not on an upward climb, getting better and better, no, No, the Bible says just the opposite, getting worse and worse. Revelation 22:11. it says, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. What's the point of the verse? The point is Christ will soon return. And when Christ returns, there will be no changing what you are at that time. Oh, Lord, give me a minute. I'm going to get ready for you. I'm going to get ready. I'm going to go win somebody to Christ, Lord. I'm going to stop this horrible addiction, Lord. It's too late. It's too late. If you're unjust when he returns, you'll be unjust still. If you're righteous when he returns, you'll be righteous still. There's no changing. Decline is the natural path for evil men. Rebellion tends to increase with each of God's attempts to wake up evil men. Isaiah 1 4, Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel under a- anger. They are gone away backward. Why should ye be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, and the whole heart. Faint. Every time I correct you, you just get more and more rebellious. Here's the amazing thing. In Proverbs, we learn that pleasure is found in the current state of evil men. They're filled with pleasure. Proverbs 122 How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? and the scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge they hate it I they hate it they love it they hate knowledge they love the horrible condition they're in they love the wicked condition they're in they love the foolish condition they're in they don't want to get better evil men are sinking to new lows and it mentions seducers They're multiplying their deceptions. These seducers are imposters who are speaking deceptions. Or wizards performing magical arts. Ephesus had been a hotbed of occult practices before many of them had turned to Christ. In Acts 19, 19, many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. Many of them were involved in, in in the occult, in the magical arts. And when they heard the gospel and repented and got right with Christ, they realized those magic arts were not right. And they brought their books and they burned them. Paul knew there would be a significant return to their dark arts, however, and warned Timothy to fight against it. There was a revival there, there was a coming to Christ there, but he knew that they would not all stay faithful to Christ. He warned Timothy to be prepared. These seducers, deceivers, the world is deceived by the world system. We see a destruction of the end times Babylon in Revelation representing the godless world system that we're living in. Revelation 18:23, 23, And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee, and the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee, for thy merchants were the great men of the earth. Speaking of Babylon in the book of Revelation, For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. So what was it? That caused the nations to be deceived in Babylon. What, 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 was, it? what was behind? It? He said, "Here's what's behind that deception: it's sorceries through signs and wonders of the occult, and through the proliferation of drugs. Why? Because the word sorceries here is is where we get the English word pharmacy, drugs." All nations will finally learn that they had been deceived into thinking that the better life they had been promised was but a lie. There will be, in the end times, before the Lord returns, a proliferation, an increase, a dramatic increase of drug abuse. A control over populations by drugs. We're watching a drug epidemic. Fentanyl is the single deadliest drug threat our nation has ever encountered, says Administrator Ann Milgram. Fentanyl is everywhere, from large metropolitan areas to rural America. No community is safe from this poison. She says, we must take every opportunity to spread the word to prevent fentanyl-related overdose death and poisonings from claiming scores of American lives every day. According to the CDC, 107,375 people in the U.S. died of drug overdoses and drug poisonings in the 12-month period ending January of 2022. A staggering 67% of those deaths involved synthetic opioids like fentanyl. Some of these deaths were attributed to fentanyl mixed with other illicit drugs like cocaine, methamphetamine, and heroin which many users unaware they were actually taking fentanyl. Only 2 milligrams of fentanyl is considered a potentially lethal dose. seducers deceivers we need to be ready for the end times from the scriptures. 2nd Timothy 3:15 and from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. I was encouraged this morning in so many ways, but to see a nine year old boy up here responding to the Scriptures was thrilling to me. From a child, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And, of course, all Scripture is given by inspiration. God breathed of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Be ready for these end times. They should not sneak up on us. They should not overtake us. The pressures, the deceptions should not cause us to want to quit. Why? We should be prepared for them. From the teachings found in the scriptures first of all continue he says in your salvation now he's not suggesting a person can lose their salvation not at all he's saying once you've been saved continue living that life of a saved person you see a person can come to know Christ they can get saved and then not grow And they can even part company from a desire to be around God even after they're saved if they don't grow we're so eager to see our grandbaby can't wait to see our new grandbaby but you know Katie my daughter has to feed that baby that baby keeps getting hungry go figure well she fed the baby yesterday that should be good enough shouldn't it now that baby is always hungry wanting to eat all the time you imagine the horror a mother unwilling to feed her baby? Baby's got to have food. A new believer baby has got to have food, spiritual food, or they'll die. You see, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Romans 1 16. Salvation is the result of hearing. The word of truth, Ephesians 1 12 and 13, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So the gospel is God's power to save, salvation is a result of hearing the word of truth. And in Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith to believe comes by hearing the word of God. I've mentioned to this several times, but how do you get through to someone who doesn't believe? I would come to somebody and say, I don't even believe the Bible. And at that point, I was thinking, well, if you don't believe the Bible, that's my foundation. I have nothing else to say. I'd walk away, leaving them in their unbelief. What is the answer to unbelief? Let me give it to you. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. When you're speaking to an unbeliever, they need to hear the truth. They say, I don't believe that. That's up between you and God. I'm going to give you some more truth. I don't believe that. Okay, well, here's what it says. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God continue in your salvation and then continue to profit from the scriptures first area is in the scriptures doctrine is teaching doctrine is a divisive word these days don't give me doctrine that divides people sometimes people say (laughs) and I will tell you this that doctrine can divide it can be very divisive you see the gospel can be very offensive but so is our application of doctrine if we do it without love. see, The doctrine that we give has to be enveloped in love. Jesus' doctrine was astonishing. We see that in Matthew 7, 28. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. In Matthew 22, 33, And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. Paul's doctrine was astonishing. In Acts 13, 8 and following, but Elimas the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, which also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, Oh, full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness. And he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Sound doctrine is rooted in gospel truth. Paul said in 1st Timothy 1 9 knowing this that the law is not made for a righteous man for, for the lawless and disobedient for the ungodly and for sinners for unholy and profane for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers for manslayers for whoremongers for them that defile themselves with mankind for men stealers for liars for perjured persons and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was committed to my trust. Sound doctrine, according to the gospel. According to the gospel. In 1 Timothy 4, 6, we learn that good doctrine must be repeated. Don't need a showing of hands, but I wonder how many of you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ the very first time you heard the gospel. Most folks don't. Most folks need to hear it over and over and over before it begins to take root. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Remind them. Just remind them. Remind them. You know this is true. I rarely preach any new truth. Same old thing over and over again same old thing read your Bible pray get right with God be righteous I mean, that's 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 the message but I say it over again I say it over and over again I said it this morning I said it last week and the week before that I'm saying it again tonight I'm repeating the same things If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Good doctrine needs to be repeated. Doctrine. Secondly is reproof. The word reproof means to convict or admonish, to tell one their fault. We should preach to convict of sin. Sin is not something to whitewash or gloss over. God does not whitewash or gloss over sin because it was sin that put His Son on the cross. It was sin that caused God the Father to have to turn His back on His Son. In 2 Timothy 4, 2, preach the Word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Preach with a purpose. To convict. Of Sin Ephesians 5:11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them Here's that word reprove Convict Problem is evil hates being reproved Evil hates it when somebody says don't do that Just like you hated it when your mom said don't do that when you were a child Or a teacher in classes don't do that you hated that Why? Because our evil nature, our flesh, doesn't like to be told no. Proverbs 15.10, Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die. John 3.20, For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deed should be reproved. But wisdom, on the other hand, seeks reproof. Proverbs fifteen thirty one: The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. When Someone comes and lovingly shares a fault, a problem that they see in your life. The wise man is the one who opens his ears and thanks that person for his input. The next is correction. All scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. The word means to straighten up again. It's what moms do after their kids have torn up the living room. To straighten up again. To rectify. It means bring organization out of chaos. Titus 1.5 For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldst set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Titus, I want you to go to that city in Crete. It's a mess. It's a mess. And I want you to go and I want you to preach and teach and bring an order back to that church. Paul attempted to do that to the church of Corinth. He wrote the the letter of 1 Corinthians trying to bring an order back to that church that had become so disordered. 1 Corinthians 14, 40, let all things be done decently and in order. Organization brings joy. Colossians 2, 5, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order, and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. The Colossian church was a blessing to Paul, and he said, I hear of what's going on there, I'm so blessed, and I am blessed by your order, how you have ordered your work in the church. We came out here one year, packed up the kids, hopped in the car, and, we were at my folks when I got a call from someone who was watching our home back in Rockford. And they said, We hate to tell you this, but there's been a flood in your home. Said, so We drove up the, the, uh, the incline of a driveway at a steep driveway, hit the garage door opener, and a flood of water came out down the driveway. Went inside and come to find out the, uh, the connection to the washing machine had burst. And they don't know how many days the water had been running in our home in the main floor so water had come out in the main floor it had come up oh about eight inches on the main floor we had a full basement and went and filled up about a foot in the basement there and we don't know how long it was there but you could sink a battleship in all the water that was there before going on vacation we had a bunch of boxes cardboard boxes on the floor in the basement and they were all over the place in the basement I'm told that when they came to examine the place they were just floating everything was just floating everywhere you can imagine when the water was gone and they had dried up the water now you have these cardboard boxes soaked everything in the boxes soaked there's stuff everywhere it was a chaotic mess, (laughs) mess, <laughs> and embarrassing, why, because one of the first people to see our basement in that mess was our senior pastor, <laughs> and I don't know, I just, we felt about that high, see that mess, so what did we do when we first got home from our vacation, we got to work, and oh, Trying to bring order out of that mess. But all the joy when it was finally done. When we had everything back, the organization once again, and things looked decently, you could walk down there in the basement, you have to walk over things, There's actually shelves put up, and you could walk, and it looked nice. There was just a joy, an order. You understand this, and some of you understand because it's clicking with you, some haven't got it yet, but when you take the time to organize your life, it's so much more full of joy than facing chaos every day. When you go out of your way in the morning to make that silly bed, then when you come back later, it's made. There's just a joy there about going through your life, having that organiz- organization. So, so here, it's correction. Correction, bringing that which is in chaos back into order. He says, lastly, an instruction in righteousness. Instruction in righteousness. In Ephesians 6, 4, it says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Effective instruction should include cherishing and encouraging. Cherishing and encouraging. Dads, you need to tell your kids when they're wrong. You need to do that. But if you never nurture those kids, if you never encourage them along the way, all of your saying no is going to kick you in the face one day. And that that you tried so hard to make in that person, you're going to create a distance between you and them, and they're not going to ever want to hear you again. Why? Because you did, not, you did not develop the relationship along the way. He says, instruction in righteousness. Effective instruction should include cherishing and encouraging, but it also will include chastening. Hebrews 12, 5, And ye have forgotten the exhortation, which speaketh unto you as unto children, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Hebrews 12, 7, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? So the same father out of the same father is going to come this encouraging this nurturing and an occasional chastening has to be both has to be both isn't that how god treats us does god just continually allow you to go your sinful way without ever chastening you if that's the case then you better question your salvation But if you're going down a path and it's a wrong path and you know it, and over and over and over and over again, you're living in that life and there's, there's, there's correction that comes and smacks you a big time, thank God for that. It's because he loves you and corrects you. But I guarantee you for sure along the way, along the way he was wrapping his arms around you and trying to win you back with his goodness. I guarantee you. Next, continue to spiritually mature. For good works. Keep growing up in the faith. 2 Timothy 3 17, that the man of God may be perfect. It means complete, mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We don't say thoroughly, <laughs> it means thoroughly. All the way through. I like saying thoroughly, old English word, because in my mind it immediately gives me the picture. It's all the way through. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It means to be furnished completely. For what purpose? To do good works. To be a help. To be a blessing. 2 Timothy 2.21 If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. This is the soldier enduring boot camp. And then the rigors of further training that he might be ready to face whatever challenges will come once he's in battle. This is regular Bible study and prayer. Faithful church attendance. Attentively listening to the messages from God's word. All that can be done to ready us to do whatever it is that the Lord's going to ask us to do. Equipped unto good works. Equipped. To do good works. 2nd Corinthians 9 8 and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work as one of the most amazing verses in the Bible God so wants you to live in good works for others that he says I will always supply whatever you need to do those good works listen to the verse God is able To make all grace abound toward you. That ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. God wants you to do good works. He will supply you to do good works. If you will only commit to doing good works. This is having the supplies necessary to complete whatever mission it is God has for you. In warfare, the ground troops must be fed and supplied. All the fresh water or they'll not be able to perform well in the Christian life to help someone in need we must have resources on hand to help them if we have no money we can't be much help wise stewardship of finances helps prepare for these opportunities and then encouraged to good works Hebrews 10 24 and 25 and let us Consider one another as you're sitting there tonight. Just just think for just a moment who's sitting in your vicinity. That's what he says. Consider one another. Who's who's in your area tonight? Who was there this morning that you were sitting close to? Just consider. Who would you happen to notice in the service this morning? Consider. Let us consider one another to provoke. (laughs) We're supposed to go around provoking people. And let me tell you, we guys know what it means to provoke. When we're boys, we love to provoke. Has something to do with taking our fingers and poking somebody, provoking them. Especially, it's right there in the chest, provoking them, that's really a lot of fun. Unless they're bigger than you. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works if you do this to somebody you're probably not going to provoke them to love but if you demonstrate love to them it will encourage them to love not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching this considering one another means to take time to think about what others might be going through while we're busy We're busy. You don't have time for this. Your life is too full. You've got too many things going. You don't have time to think about everybody else because you're so busy. But he says, even in his day, he said, let's just pause and think for just a little bit. What are they going through? Some of you do the same thing I do, and that's early in the morning when you're praying, you try to think of people, people going through difficult times. I could stand here and name numbers of our folks that are going through very, very difficult times right now. But you know, you don't think about them unless you purpose to do so. Your day comes and goes, and your life has been so captivating you had no time for anybody else. That's why you need to take time out of your busy schedule to consider how can I help meet those needs? As we unselfishly help others, we quietly encourage them to begin helping others. So the vehicle God established to carry on this work of watching and caring happens to be the church. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. You know, most most of the needs I know of to pray for I learned in church. Somebody told me in church, Pastor, would you pray for Pastor, would you, did you know this was going on in this person's life? Pastor, can I tell you about... I learned that because I was with the church family. And my guess is you're pretty much the same way. Not forsaking. Now I'm preaching to the choir here. You're here tonight. So in the end times, what's going to happen? Well, we're told here that perilous times are going to come. I didn't see the news today. I had no desire to watch it today. My guess is the news today was pretty much like yesterday. Dismal, scary, frightful. (laughs) Uh, Let me read the news for you. Hold on. Here's current events. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Current events. What's our response? What do you do when the world gets even worse run to the scriptures find your resource there let's pray thank you dear Lord for your love and your goodness thank you for your faithfulness to all generations thank you for Hope Baptist Church the sweet sweet spirit that is here and Lord tonight I thank you for your word from cover to cover I thank you for every verse every truth every promise I thank you, Lord, for this being the resource that we must have to survive the end times. Help us to commit reading, studying, memorizing, applying, and obeying your word. Go with us, I pray, and thank you for it, for we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.